0: What happens when a blind man, a woman of color, and a child of immigrants get together to discuss how diversity,
1: inclusion, and equity affect your business? Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Choose Inclusion podcast. I'm Yubi, and I am the Latino white guy of the group.
2: I'm Nina. I am the woman of color in the group,
0: and I'm Mike. I'm uh, the blind guy.
1: Hey, everybody! Welcome back to Choose Inclusion. This is UB with my partners in all things, Nina and Michael. How are you two?
2: Great. What's up, everybody?
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Welcome back.
1: Awesome. Yeah. We're we're um, I just want to say off the bat, we're very lucky that we get to do this and, and you know bring these amazing voices to to our audience, and one of those is Lex Gillette. I mean this Lex, ladies and gentlemen, is probably one of the closest people we've had to a celebrity status. Would't you say Mike, on the show? <laughs>
0: Uh, I, I, I'm one of his biggest fans now. Absolutely. Uh, what is it? How many, how many uh, Olympic uh, medals, uh, does he have? Like, is he up there with,
1: uh, yeah, crazy. It's yeah. So, so Lex is a four time Paralympic medalist and world champion for team USA was planning to be in Japan this year. And and that, as we know, got postponed until next year. So still planning to do that. Um, and, and, what's really cool about Lex and unique is that he's blind and, you know, so he's, he's a blind gold medal athlete. He's also a motivational speaker and he's just, his story is just really great. And and in times like these, it's, you know, I just, I love these perspectives. So Lex, thank you so much, man, for, for being on this show with us.
3: Ah, thanks UB, Mike, uh, Nina. Thank you. Glad to be here.
1: Well so why don't we yeah start off tell us about you like your background right like where you grew up and and um talk about being blind your mom and just how you got to this point
3: Yep so I am I'm originally from Raleigh North Carolina and as a kid growing up in Raleigh I did the typical 8-year-old boy activities rode my bicycle played outside with friends video games all of those you know cool activities and it was one particular day I came home from school, went through my normal routine that night as I was inside of the bathtub, I was washing up. I started noticing that I was losing my sight, very random, just out of the blue. I can remember looking at my hands and and noticing that they were looking kind of blurred and faint. The lights were the same, and uh it was once I got out of the tub and hopped onto the bathroom counter, that's when I knew something was wrong because it was hard for me to see my reflection in the, uh, in the mirror. So told my mom, she had her thinking was, uh, maybe you got something in your eyes from playing outside earlier that day. We took some water and we cleaned my eyes out, made it feel better, but it didn't clear my sight any. So the next thought was go to sleep and maybe everything would be okay in the morning when I woke up the next morning, nothing had changed. And we went to the doctors after an examination, they said I needed to have an emergency operation because I was suffering from retina detachments. And uh, you know, that led to a string of thirteen operations that I had on my eyes. And after the last one, doctors said that there was nothing else they could do to help my sight. And they said I would uh that I would eventually become blind. So definitely a a tough time. And
1: uh, what I was going to say, like, I just, I, and, and Mike, I know, you know, Mike, you, you relate to this obviously, right. It's sort of similar situation, right? It's well, it's different
0: circumstances, but I, I, I was seven. I was in first grade um, at the time when, um, and and I'm 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 a lot older than Lex, so <laughs> um, so so when I was in kindergarten, I I remember um, again being able to play outside, do all those kind of things, and you you kind of you you don't know, I didn't know, you know, like oh I couldn't see as well as other kids because I could still ride the bike and all that kind of stuff, but um, uh, they they pushed me through kindergarten even though I wasn't able to color in the lines because uh, they just thought I was a slow learner. And it was first grade when they did the eye, check, the eye test for me saying, hey, what color balloon is closer? And I was like, what do you mean what color balloon is closer? So that's what started it for me uh, in first grade. So slightly different, but it gives me chills because, again, I I, I remember, um, yeah, I mean, at seven eight, seven, eight years old, I don't know if you under, we, you really understand what the word blind really is, right, Lex?
3: Right. Right. Yeah, totally. I, at that point, it was, you know, I had people. Uh, the doctors were saying things, and yeah, I was in the doctor's office. And with each operation, I would get out, and things would would seem to look clear for, you know, three to four weeks. And then after that, the same problem would happen, and my sight would get even blurrier than what it was the time before. So you, I mean, you go into the doctor's office so many times, and they're saying all of these big words and. You can totally you can can hear the the, their vocal inflection and and their tone and and you don't get good vibes from what they're saying. And so it's my mom that's, you know, literally the one having to tell me in layman's terms, this is what's going on. But still at that time, you know, for me, it was like, all right, well, you know, am I going to be able to draw anymore? Am I going to be able to play video games? Am I going to do the things that I normally do? uh you know and on a daily basis. Um and then once that day arrived when I woke up and I couldn't see anything, that's that's when reality set in and it's like, wow, this is this is you know, new normal, if you will.
1: So well, was, and that's oh was,
3: sorry Nina.
2: Yeah, so what was that journey that goes from you know you experiencing all that to becoming You know, a multi-medal winning Olympian.
3: Well, the I mean, the transition was was super tough. I would say that first year or so, it was it was definitely a I would call it a grieving period, I guess, if you will. There was certainly some tears and 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 sadness, and being able to just try to figure out what those next steps were. And my mom was the catalyst for me. And I'm pretty sure that she, she certainly experienced a lot of the pain as well, as a you know as a single parent, and you know you, you don't want your child to go through, anything of that capacity. Um, so I think we were both grieving, through that together. Uh, it was uh, golly, I mean it was it was years out there once I had gotten into sports, but but one of the things I will say is that. I come from an athletic family. So my mom and my aunties and, and uncle, grandmother, even they, they all played you know, baseball or softball and volleyball, basketball. So everybody's you know, pretty, pretty athletic. And I was playing sports prior to losing my sight. I was playing rec league baseball and, and the typical backyard sports, dodgeball, kickball, basketball. Um, and after I lost my sight, those, that first year or two it was more so trying to get acclimated with living life without being able to see so learning how to read braille learning how to use a cane learning how to you know, figure out how to get through through school and and interacting with with other kids and trying to explain to my friends what's going on in my life and what's specifically going on with my eyes and and them trying to adapt and learn how to, to help me. And of course, you know, you had those kids who probably didn't say the nicest of things or, you know, didn't, didn't act as, uh, you know, appropriately as you, as you probably should. But I think we all were trying to figure it out, you know, as kids. And, uh, and you know, not to, to jump too far ahead, but uh, it was probably, you know, it was my freshman year of high school when I was introduced to, uh, to the long jump, even though I did participate on my track and field team in middle school, I was a shot putter, but <laughs> I, I was literally, I don't know, I, I may have been like five, 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 six, maybe 90 something pounds soaking wet. Um, so <laughs> at that particular time, like being a part of the team was just, you know, the, the, the teammate, uh, the camaraderie, the, the being a part of a team, that was really what I was getting from my experience in, in track and field when I was in, in eighth grade.
1: Well, and that's like inclusion, right? Like you felt included, especially cause you know, what's heartbreaking to me. And I love that you're, that you talked about grief and, and same thing with Mike, like that, the, the heartbreak is that you had something that was taken away. You know, it wasn't that you were born blind. Yeah. Um, and that to me is what's, so devastating and so yeah grieving like nina is always great about you know um getting us to slow down and, and own our and and acknowledge our emotions yeah and so it's it's nice to see that you did, did that i think there isn't enough conversation about that even in work like at work we want you know people should be given that safe space to acknowledge what they're feeling i yeah. mean look at you know we're recording this uh, on a day when things have happened. George Floyd was murdered by a police officer in Minneapolis and there's these riots and protests because there's a whole community exploding with emotion that, because nobody else, nobody's listened to him before. And and we can talk about that in in a minute, but I appreciate you acknowledging the emotion. And then, yeah, this piece about inclusion, that's what we talk about all the time. It's like, yes, you have this other ability this different ability, you're blind, but you still felt included, right, on this yeah. team.
3: Yeah, and and just to touch on a little bit of that, I, I think that, you know, I, I was certainly able to express the emotions to a, to a certain degree. Um, but I also think that, you know, at that particular time, growing up in the 90s as a, you know, as a young young male, you know, that was kind of, you know, you you didn't really do that. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, at, you know, at now in 2020, I've been able to tap into that more because, you know, it is, the door is open for that. And it's not, you know, kind of like taboo, if you will, uh, when I was, you know, a, a smaller child. Yeah.
1: But that, no, that, that's a great point. That's a great point. So, so you get then into freshman year. So, so did, so you went from shot put to long long jump right and then <laughs> yeah. you're you're moving into freshman year it's quite the difference i i used to do
3: this so kind of somewhere in there right lex right like,
2: <laughs> right the 90 oh, yeah. pound shot putter i'm just
3: trying to imagine a 90 pound shot oh yeah yeah right <laughs> you know i you know i i beefed up a little bit i think in my freshman year i probably got about 20 20 pounds on me and um i actually you know what in, in as a freshman i i wrestled as well so i was i was in that 112 weight class as a freshman. And, um, I eventually got into track and field and it was through this physical fitness test that we had to take in PE class, the test. I'm not sure if you remember, but we had to do, I guess it was like a presidential fitness exam. Yeah, oh yeah, um, You had to for do sure. pull-ups and push-ups and things <laughs> like that. And, and, uh, one of the events was standing long jump and I was really good at that. And my mom, she kept me in public school because she felt like that would be much more of a a real-world experience for me to, to interact and, and participate alongside my, my sighted peers. And, uh, and so all I really knew was competing against people who could see. And I was one of the best jumpers in the school. I was the best as a freshman. I was the best jumper in my freshman class. And then I was one of the best in the entire school. We had about 1,500 students at Athens Drive High School in Raleigh. And uh, you, of course, my friends, they're like, "Oh my gosh, this is insane! This guy, he can jump. Like, he can literally stand in one spot and jump ten feet forward." And so they're wow. like, "Oh man, like he's he's beating you guys in. Like he can't even see you." So that, <laughs> that you know that that struck my uh, teacher of the visually impaired, Brian Whitmer, and he told me about the Paralympics and being able to travel the world and win medals and break records and. For sure, in the beginning, it was again, you, you you circle back to when I lost my sight. And, you know, now I'm like, all right, well, how in the world am I going to do this? And, and a lot of the same questions that I had, when I was going through that transition to the to to blindness, were similar ones for track and field It's like, all right, well, how is this going to work? Can I do this? Can I, I have to trust someone else? Um, to help me in this process, because his strategy was that he is going to stand at the takeoff board. So in long jump, you have the runway, you run a certain distance, hit the takeoff board, which is inserted in the ground, and you jump into a huge sand pit. So, of course, not being able to see anything, (laughs) there's a lot of questions. Uh, So Mr. Whitmer, he's he's, he's saying that I'm going to stand at the takeoff point, the takeoff board. I'm going to clap and yell so that gives you that auditory reference so you know which direction to run your responsibility is to run as straight as possible as fast as possible to the sound of my voice and and jump it was it was terrifying in the beginning because you don't know if you're going to trip over anything you don't know your surroundings and then when you go deeper it's it's like all right i, I don't know if i can give this person full trust i don't know if i can put my entire trust in this person's hands enough for me to propel myself through the air and and hope that i'm gonna land into the sand and then even even more than that it it just became you know lex you don't even trust yourself so
0: wow you are uh you're you're touching on so many levels here lex that i
3: (laughs) you're like whoa uh, slow it (laughs)
0: down Well, no, it's not slow it down. I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting because uh, there was uh, I, I obviously I don't know your, your exact shoes. I know a similar pair of shoes uh, and uh, trust is, um, uh, you know, tr- trust is a thing. And I, I've been, I've been married again. I'm an old guy. I've been married uh, 25 years this year. My wife and I have been married and, oh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so thank you. And she's got some experience, you know, uh, guiding, you know, a blind guy around and, yep uh yeah she she's uh accidentally run me into a polar too um oh, man. <laughs> and uh
1: accidentally? You, you know the feeling hmm.
0: yeah well you know yeah so i i could I dare say that maybe i should have done the dishes faster or something i don't know but uh <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> but there's there's a um yeah there there's something to be said when you uh you literally kind of blind faith whatever you want to call that into somebody uh, somebody else's hand. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a for real letting go, um, uh, of that. And I, and I do believe, again, um, uh, a- accidents happen and there are so many things, again, we have kids and so her eye is, uh, where it should be, uh, taking care of our kids all the time. And, uh, right. uh, let's just say I was born with a thick skull. So I probably bent, bent more poles than they bent my head. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: Well, I, I, I've got a question for, for you both Lex and Mike, like it's, um, cause Mike, you're, you know, you've done martial arts, right. And, and, you know, is there, is there sort of like a, a, a feeling of control and being able to, to be, you know, that athletic and do those types of sports, especially when you're blind? Like, is that a part of it?
0: uh well to, to even talk about uh my modest uh, successes i had in martial arts when i have a, a four-time paralympian on the on the on the phone here is <laughs> i so what i think that really the parallel the correlation between uh lexus story and you know my mom again being raised by a single mom as well and uh, so when when you guys have heard me say this before when i talk about diversity and inclusion i really think bumper to bumper Um, you know, women in the workplace, uh, ethnicity, I I think, I do think really broad when it comes to inclusion. And so, um, but my mom, my mom, when uh, I I, very similar, like lots, multiple surgeries, very painful. And uh, the last one I had at the uh, Cleveland Clinic, Dr. Dong uh, he comes out and he says um, to my mom, like straight up, like, hey, your your son's going blind. He has the earliest onset of macular degeneration. He'll be blind by time he turns 18. And I look up at my mom and I said, mom, what's blind? And she she had the courage. I mean, literally the courage to say it just means you're going to be special. And so because my mom uh, approached the situation with such grace, uh, such strength, and I, I think about that as a parent, uh, three kids, like holy buckets, you know, can you can you imagine being faced with that and to have the strength, but yeah, I mean, Lex's mom obviously, uh, did that. And, and so I feel like the parallel, uh, between a Lex and myself isn't necessarily the athletic achievement. I, I, uh, my, my high jump is uh, a whopping three and a half inches. So my, um, you know, there's no, there's no, there's, <laughs> there's no parallel there, but but the fact that, you know, you know, his, his amazing mom and my mother, you know, both had the courage to say, uh, yeah, this
3: is an obstacle. It's not a barrier. Yeah, no, nah, totally. I, I concur with that. I think that, you know, that the athletic piece was just a, you know, that that was just a, a product of, of all of my mom's amazing hard work. I don't think that you know, we, we could have drawn up any of this that's going on right now. It's, Literally just a result of everything that that she put into play for me, and as we talk about diversity and, and inclusion and and over the years when I've had the 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 chance to kind of sit down and think about it, I think about my mom, and you know I don't really mention it much because I just never thought about it growing up, but just to break it down, my mom she she has a visual impairment as well. she has glaucoma, yet she still has usable usable eyesight. And, um, again, I never really focused on that much because I saw her going to work every day. I saw her cooking and, and, you know, taking care of me and she was at my track meets and she was going to different, uh, you know, rec rec programs and, and, you know, we still went on trips and vacations. And uh, so I, I just never really focused on that. And then you think about I mean, Mike touched on it, women in the workplace you know, my mom, she held down a job for many of years. And, and then on top of that, I mean, she's, she's black. And uh, so for her to, to wear all of those hats and to be a single, a single parent and to do what she did for me, I think I, in a lot of ways, just just absorbed a lot of just that amazingness that she had like her her fervor and and you know you see her going out there and persevering and there's probably a lot of things that she went through that I have no idea about um and that's just you know her ability to just you know bear that weight and push through and you know me being able to see that has totally helped me to to elevate to to levels that um, you know, I probably would have never, never imagined, had she not done what she did in the fashion that she did it.
2: Yeah, I think our country was built on the on the backs of black women. Um, and, you know, they often are kind of the unseen heroes of many of the reasons why other people in this world are able to succeed the way they, they do. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of want to dive into that a little bit, Lex, like, you know, you're, in addition to being blind, you're a Black man living in, in this country. And uh, like Yubi said, we're kind of in the midst of a really tumultuous time with what's happening in the world right now, With the riots happening across the country in response to, jo- to George Floyd, seeing how white women are weaponizing the police as a tool to kill Black men, um, like we saw with Amy Cooper in Central Park. Um, you know, how, how are your experiences, you know, being at the intersection of these kind of two identities and how has it impacted your life and how your mom even had to, to raise you to, to live in this world?
3: Yeah, I would say this
2: world, I should say. Uh,
3: yeah. Yeah, not nah, totally. I think that, you know, of course, growing up in, in North Carolina, um, you know, the, 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 the racism piece it's evident, right? You're in the South, um, you're growing up, you're trying to traverse through life. And it's definitely, you know, there, there's certainly been conversations that, that I've had with my mom and she's made me aware that, you know, this is something that is, it's alive and well, and it's real. Um, but I think she also explained it in a way that allowed me to continue to, to push through without having, you know, having that at the forefront of my mind and that's not you know and that's not to ignore it and you know and, and to you know walk walk around being oblivious to it um but it was also like all right this is this is a case and and this could potentially happen but I still want you to go out here and be the absolute best person man that you can be because that's what that's what I expect of you and that's what the world deserves you have something special to to offer this world that we that we live in um and so over the years of course you you see certain things and um i will say my personal experience is i can't really point to any anything specifically and and again that's just you know it's not to say that i'm oblivious to it but i think that as a as a blind person I'm not able to see people's uh you know their actions and their, their 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 demeanor how they may react to certain things that I may say or how I may or how they may react to you know me walking into a room or anything like that and so you know for me it's a challenge at times um because since I don't have that visual that visual feedback it's just like oh okay um you know unless they say something and I get that Get that type of vibe from what they say and how they say it then you know i just kind of shake a move as as normal but then when you hear about you know the eric garners and the and the george floyds and and so many other examples that we have within society it it it, it just makes you it makes me sad uh, especially with you know the most recent one george floyd i was On YouTube and just kind of you know listening to the video, and I had to cut it off because now I have the audio, and for me that is the you know that's the equivalent of of someone having sight. So to hear to hear that those those screams and to hear him say you know "I, I can't breathe and and it was it was just painful to listen to and you know of course reading a lot of the articles and just listening to um people's reactions and and their views on on what was happening it didn't it didn't appear that anything uh you know egregious was going on it you know seemed like he was complying uh to the orders that that he was given and and you know it just turned out really really bad yeah yeah i
2: go ahead Mike.
0: I yeah no, I was just gonna say there are some things like you, they you know you you cannot unsee uh, first sighted people there are some things you cannot unhear as well and listening to you know a, a human being you know <laughs> telling um, supposedly responsible adults that they are unable to breathe and yet nothing happened I it it I, w- I woke up this morning at uh, one in the morning just uh, it it hurt it hurts my soul it really does. So, and, and Lex, it's a topic that um, we're eager to talk to you about because we, um, you know, it's, it you know, it is not, I, I, I'm, I'm Caucasian, or at least that's what I've been told. And, uh, um, and so there's definitely, uh, we can call it white privilege. That's a for real thing, uh, but I am blind and I've been blind my entire life. And I have heard and felt the sting of discrimination in a way that, um, I I can again, I don't I don't know exact shoes of African American or Black uh, individuals, but I know similar shoes of of this thing and it, it really is a sting. And I and I thought when we talked about uh when we talked about this topic before we got on the, you know, our, our podcast, you had mentioned something that again, it's it's not fair or even close to being fair for me as a white blind person to say, um, you know, about like you 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 don't you don't understand the racial thing but you get the sting from a discrimination blindness thing and uh but again
3: i don't want to put words in your mouth lex yeah i think that uh i mean blindness specifically is just uh, is 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 you know i've been able to it's i've had it for you know since i was eight years old right so Obviously, twenty plus years of living living my life without being able to see. um, Yeah, I've been in a ton of different experiences, <laughs> and and some of them have been just you know, crazy offensive, and some of them have just been like, all right, well, this you know, you know, this person just they want to help, and they just don't know how to, or they don't know you know what to say. Um, So it's it's certainly it's challenging because you know I've, I've been able to. You know, I'm obviously operate in the athlete world. I operate in the business world, and I'm trying to think of, um, you know, I do a lot of speeches, of course, and and then I also work with a lot of companies from on a on a sponsorship level as I train for Tokyo. And so it's it's funny because uh, there are you know, certain views of 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 blind individuals. And, you know, it makes it makes me kind of disappointed a little bit. I want to say recently I had a conversation with someone and they essentially said that, oh, you don't need a in their exact words, a quote unquote handler. And uh, I was like, man, a, a handler. My first thought was, all right, like I thought it was two thousand twenty. It's not nineteen
2: <laughs> yeah,
3: twelve like <laughs> handler because the fact of the matter is that I mean, at some point in life, I mean we all need some level of assistance. we're all going to need some 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 sort of help, but specifically for me as someone who can't see that's not how my mom raised me her her main goal was to ensure that I would be able to maneuver through the world as an independent person, to be able to survive on my own, to be able to contribute to society like the next person. And she found all of the, the necessary resources to help me achieve those goals. Found, I learned how to read braille. I learned how to use accessible technology, computers, screen readers. I learned how to use a cane and, and work with an orientation and mobility specialist. So I was able to, to learn how to get from my house to the bus, from the bus to the classroom, the classroom to the cafeteria, the cafeteria to the gym, gym back to the bus, back home. Also learn how to use public transportation, getting on and off of a city bus, using using taxis and cabs, learn how to walk into a grocery store or in the post office and you know, ask to to go shopping. These are the items that I need. Can you can you assist me? Um, I need to mail this letter. Would you would you mind writing the address on the envelope for me so I can send it out? Oh, can you help me get the, the stamp so I can buy this? Um, she taught me how to, you know, she she either taught me or found someone to teach me how to do these things. And then that led to me being able to uh go go to the airport and ask for assistance and get from gate to gate and get from the gate down the jet bridge to the plane and you know, being on the plane and being able to ask, Hey, can I get to the bathroom? So I mean I can I can name so many different different examples. So circling back to someone who says, Oh, like you don't you don't need a handler, that that was highly offensive to me because I do so many things by myself and and that's not to you know to my own horn or anything but it, there's a certain level of of independent achievement there and 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 I love that and I feel like that's what makes us uh you know that's what makes us who we are as humans like our ability to you know to be able to take care of the things that we can take care of no matter if we can see can't see if we can uh, you know, here or not here, you know, whatever, you know, disability or challenge or limitation you want to call it. Um you know, it is just yeah, it's it's just tough. Um and that's that's a that's a that's a normal thing. That's a regular uh I wouldn't say that people use that same terminology, but there are a lot of questions that I get as it relates to, to blindness and being able to literally like <laughs> live live my life I mean people I can say certain things like oh man I you know I, I went to you know I flew to Manchester England and uh now i like wow man really you did that and and, and oh, re- like the reply is like oh. like oh man I in any other conversation they would be like oh man you put your shoes on by yourself today you, oh, are,
1: you mean right. to tell me
3: you took your Baby. toothbrush and toothpaste, and you brushed your teeth today by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Thank you, Lex. Thank you. Yes. <laughs>
1: Seriously. Well, because it, it, you know, what's fascinating about that, because so you talked about you know working with with businesses, because you know, this is our focus, right? And and Mike specifically, he, you know, it, it's it's about educating organizations to be more inclusive. In Mike's case, it's to be more inclusive to uh, hire blind and visually impaired people to come work. So, you know, what is that conversation? Because, you know, I think there's a fear there of, well, you know, do we even have the right environment? Or maybe it's as simple as can they even get to their desk by themselves? Do they need someone to escort them to the bathroom, right? Like it's, it's so what how do you work with companies how do you have those conversations how do you get them through those fears
3: hmm uh, you know what i think man i think the athletic piece is definitely like it's a blessing in disguise and and now that you know i'm listening to you talk i say that because if people they see the videos and, and they see me running and jumping and lifting weights and doing all of these things then I feel like maybe sometimes they're like all right well if he can do all of this then you know he should be able to get from his desk to the the front door or in my case if I do a speech he should be able to get from uh like his where he is in his seat at the front of the room to you know on stage or something and maybe maybe he may need a sighted guide but he still can you know do that we can make that uh that accommodation pretty easily and it's, it'll be totally fine. But then of course, you have other people who see all of those things as well and they, and they don't put the pieces of the puzzle together. Um, so it's literally my thing is as long as we can sit down and have a conversation about it, then that is that's the, the biggest thing and, and you know, really tapping into their ability to listen and to to take the time to understand what I need what I don't need. Um, and, and that's really what kind of paves the way for us establishing a, a solid relationship. I mean, it could be something as simple as, uh, you know, I've gone and done speeches before and, and, and work with a lot of amazing people where that, you know, they'll ask, well, you know, how can we best, uh, accommodate you? Like, we want to make sure this is a great experience and, and I can say, Oh, you know, that's awesome. Well, this is I need X, Y, and Z. And, um, and it just makes that, it just makes the process moving forward that much better because now I don't feel like, I don't feel like, you know, I'm I'm being, you know, left out of the mix uh, just because, oh, you know, he, he's blind. So, you know, we don't even want to, we don't even want to, you know, try to tackle this.
2: Yeah, I think that's, like, so key to, like, basically every marginalized group, like, whenever any company is starting conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion, they have to start by listening. They have to start by, like, creating spaces to listen. So whether it's, like, one-on-one or, you know, doing surveys, whatever it is, like, if you aren't in that position where you're, like, I want to find out and I need to create the space to ask questions, then... You just can't build any kind of, you know, inclusion efforts that will actually allow the voices of people from marginalized groups to to be heard.
0: Yeah, I I I totally agree, Nina. I I, I gotta ask though, real quick, Lex, are you are you at the kind of stardom now where you can just say, hey, no green M and M's? Are you at that level yet?
3: No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm
1: not. <laughs> this coming from Mike, who. Uh, we had one flight attendant who was just feeding him whiskey the whole flight, like mm. like he was a celebrity <laughs>
3: uh, and, 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 the, the funny thing about the flights is that uh, i 've been on a number of flights where um you know the the flight attendant will 'll say, "Hey, well, we have this option for food, and they 'll bring it out it could be let's just say a bag of chips, and they 'll literally ask me hey do you, do you need do you need me to open these chips for you <laughs> and, and I'm like, uh, nah, yeah, I think I can take care of it. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Even yeah. Mike still, had no like,
1: problem opening up those bottles of whiskey.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> I, mean,
0: I always, so Lex, you know, this okay? three to be there, exact. There are some, yeah. There, there are some, there's some perks, right? Like I always say, you know, use it if you got it. And, yeah. you know, we, get the, we get the, you know, board priority yes. eating that sort of thing. We, yes. And I'm. I'm always like, I, I I love life and I love meeting people. And so when I meet uh, flight attendants, I'm always, um, you know, I'm chatting them up. I'm like, you know, because I know that either whether they're starting their shift or ending their shift or in the middle, uh, they don't get a lot of happy customers. Let's just put it right. that way, right? right. I want to be the antithesis of that. And so I'm chatting them up and letting them know like, hey, I appreciate what you're doing. And if you want if you feel so inclined to bring me a free beer, Feel free to do so, right <laughs>
3: hey i i I'm definitely i when I get on flights, I'm usually the person who gets in my seat i smile, hey, how you doing and I'll put my headphones on and go to sleep so i you know <laughs> unless i you know if I get an upgrade and I'm in first class, then you know I'll stick around for the meal and and <laughs> I, you know, I'll get sleepy and, Good for you. And Well,
1: so let's, I I do want to, I mean, this conversation could go on for, for years and it's been amazing and we'll have to do this again soon, please. I think, um, you know, one, so one kind of one last thing we wanted to talk about on a little bit of a lighter note is uh, the Olympics in Tokyo, you know, they got postponed a year to 2021 given COVID-19 and everything. And so, I mean, what, you know, what, what is what is it like being a part of the olympics and actually i have one quick question related yep. to that so you know there's the paralympics and then the olympics i mean do you feel like in certain instances it should just be the olympics i don't know why i thought of that question but you know what i mean like shouldn't it just that, be the olympics or yeah the
3: funny the funny thing is that you mentioned that i was uh i was doing some uh, some campaigns for a company here in San Diego in the lead up to 2012 and as we were as they were rolling out the uh the text copy for what I was going to be saying for the radio commercials um and all it said was olympics olympian and and so i had pointed out hey you know well, I'm i'm not i'm not technically an olympian and you know i'm i'm proud to be a paralympian at the end of the day that's something that i work hard to to become, and right. and I felt like it was only right to have that, um, you know, have that verbalized within within that radio commercial. And so their response was, well, we don't we don't see you as a as a Paralympian, as a Paralympic athlete. We see you as an Olympian. And um, and you know, some people may you know argue that and say, oh man, that, I mean, that's 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 great. Um, but the fact of the matter is, you know, I'm I'm as much as it is amazing to be an an Olympian. It's just as amazing to be a Paralympian, and there's there's a lot of amazing athletes out there. And not only for myself, but for them, it's only right that I continue to, you know, to let people know that like this is this is something I wear that with pride. I wear that with honor. Um, so that was just a funny tidbit that that happened a while back. But um, no, nah, I I think that you know, I it's good as it is right now. Um, I think that we'll, you know, as a Paralympian, um, just continue to kind of break those barriers and, and change those perceptions because that's, that's certainly one of many that, you know, that we have to deal with as, uh, as Paralympic athletes. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a steady process. So,
1: yeah, well, it sounds, I mean, it's, and it's a great point and, and it's, it's an honor, right? Like it's, you know, I think, People think they the, you know, the difference is negative, but no, yeah. it's, it's, you're honoring your different abilities and, yeah. and they're honoring that. And so no, that's, that's fantastic. I just didn't know kind of what the, the, the thought or perspective was within the community, but talking about Tokyo. So, you know, you, you've all been preparing for this year. What does that feel like? And, and realizing now that you have to wait another year, what, what is that like for you?
3: Yeah, initially it was it was challenging for sure. It was, um, you know, I started training, and and typically the the beginning of the process is building that base. So those first few months, we're doing a lot of running, a lot of of uh, weightlifting, and and just a lot of volume, so that we can build that solid base. And mid to late March, that's typically when I'm about to start transitioning to more specific technical training. So I'm I'm literally on the runway. I'm working on my jumping and everything that's associated with we're getting some big jumps. And that's when we got the news about the games being postponed to twenty twenty one. In the in the beginning it, it definitely was it was tough because at that time it's like, all right, in five months I'm gonna be on a plane headed to Tokyo to compete in my fifth Paralympics. And then someone tells you that it's not going to happen until 2021. Now it's all right. Man, I got 17 more months to to get it. You know, get ready and 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 get right. And so you look at it, you know, with the with a negative light initially because you like, you're just excited to go there. You're excited to For sure to go to trials and and hear your name called, and and you're excited to get that to get all of that gear and that apparel sent to your house, and then there's just so, so much about the process that, that you love. And then just literally being able to go and compete. Like I was going to be competing on the first day in the night session. Stadium was going to be packed probably. Oh, so you know, I was already painting the image in my head. Like, whew, this is what I'm going to do after I, after I get the gold medal winning jump. I'm gonna
2: <laughs> wow.
3: So, so you, so you build it, you know, oh, you cool. build up this, this, uh, you see that vision. And and that's right. literally what you know, that's what that's what gets me rolling out of bed every day because I you know, I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about competing in front of all of these people and and, and you know, making my sponsors proud and making my my mom proud and my guide Wesley and you know all of the people who are on my team. Um, but uh, get the news that, that it's being postponed and I will say after a while it's kinda like, all right, it wasn't canceled. They just moved it back a little bit so you can use this extra time as uh, time to you know focus on some areas that that need to be strengthened a little bit more and you can lo- use it to do some more uh, recovery, you know, like as, as 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 great as a lot of the athletes are, um, I feel like, you know, we all have you know some sort of something going on with our bodies throughout the season. And uh, so being able to, you know, kind of focus on those things and, and strengthen yourself and, and just make yourself that much better mentally and physically, I think it's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a good thing for sure. So we just have to kind of reset the program and the plan, make some adjustments, and get ready to, to compete in, in August of 2021.
1: Well, and as a great consolation it. prize. You got to be on the Choose Inclusion podcast. So you're welcome. Hey, hey, hey.
3: <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Always.
0: I I'd love to know, um, as you as you know, like so much of what we what we focus on here is to help organizations uh recognize like there are real tangible tactical things that they can do to be inclusive. And Obviously, we have very unique lenses. However, we we agree on this bumper-to-bumper, you know, marginalized community effort. Like, you know, um, uh, love to get, you know, what, you know, you t- you talk to a lot of organizations. Uh, you you've got a, a, a graduate-level degree. You've done so many things. Um, going to your fifth Paralympics, like that's amazing. But what 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 could you think of to give uh, organizations? business leaders, some, some, uh, some practical advice to be in a more inclusive environment. I love to hear it from your perspective.
3: Yep. So one of the things I love to, to encourage people to do is, so I have two questions that I love. Very simple. First one is how can I help? And, and that's really important because I, I, even when I'm walking around in public, if I'm walking around inside of a building or on the sidewalk or whatnot, people just naturally assume that, Oh, this guy needs help. When in actuality, I, I really don't. There are certain situations where, um, you know, some of my friends at times, and it's, it's not a negative thing, but they'll say, Oh man, watch out. You're about to hit this pole. When in actuality, Mike, you can speak to this. You know, we, we use landmarks. And so being able to, follow this this routine or this path that I'm on normally and I, I hit the pole with my with my cane, um, that lets me know that okay, well my next step needs to be a right turn because I, I hit the I hit the light pole with my cane. And um, of course if you have a guide dog it might be a little different but I can't really speak to that. Uh but um so how can how can I how can I or excuse me, do you need help? And uh, so what that does is it allows a person who you're talking to, to literally say yes or no. Sometimes it, it'll be a no, and you know you can move on about your business. Um, but if it's a yes, then the second question, the follow-up question to that would be, how can I help? And so what that does is gives the person the the opportunity to, to literally lay it out step by step how. They prefer to be helped. Because the fact of the matter is if you just go in and and just help them how you think they should be helped, that may not be what they like. It could be it could come across as as you know offensive or it may not be just may not be the right way to do things. And so you're giving that person the ability to say, Hey, can I grab your elbow when we walk? Or hey, can I, you know, touch your shoulder? Or can you just guide me with your voice? So literally giving, uh, you know, giving them clear-cut directions. And that's that's easy for us, having directions and being able to follow them. But it should be easy for us. Um, I love it. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you need help? Number one. And and how can I help? And I guarantee, you know, when you're in that workspace, that, that'll certainly it, – it'll cut out a lot of the time. Of of people guessing and 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 you know creating these these thoughts in their minds like oh I think this person does that no it's it's going to cut out all of that and you can cut straight to the point and uh, you'll be able to to just be a, a well oiled machine.
1: Yeah, love I, I love yeah I love the simplicity of that because we talk about empathy and and you know there's an empathy maturity model and you know what you're talking about there is getting up into like compassionate empathy, right? Where you're able to be curious and, and recognize that somebody may need help, but not layer in your own experiences and assumptions of what that help should be, right? And yeah. it's, it's, it's more about, uh, just ask the question. Like what, it's so yeah. simple. and 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 it it immediately creates a a much better relationship so yeah that's that's an awesome way i think to to end this episode and yeah lex we can't thank you enough man we are excited um to obviously stay connected uh i'll be flying first class with mike to tokyo (laughs) okay Um, (laughs) nina please. you know we can switch um so that'll be <laughs> we can take turns so we'll definitely be there to support you but yeah man good luck with everything thank you so much for this conversation uh,
3: absolutely no i appreciate you guys and everything that you do within the diversity and inclusion space so yeah let continue to, to fight those battles for sure we definitely need some thank warriors so much, champions thank you awesome. so much my friend thank you, thank you Lex. thank you nina and, thanks
1: and thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we will talk to you again soon. Take care.
2: Bye, everyone. See you. Thanks for listening to the Choose Inclusion podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And you can see closed captioning for this podcast on our YouTube channel. You can find us online on our website, chooseinclusion.com, and contact us on Twitter at Choose